the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer back again with more End Time Insights. We're so excited to be doing this. Hallelujah. I'm sitting over here at my station, what, managers, sales managers, home doing this because they won't let me in without wearing a mask at the studio. God bless them. But we love them. We pray for them. But we are not giving in. You know, we voted this week and they put us through the ringer. And they didn't make it too difficult. In Texas, we're allowed to go in without a mask. They had these little finger condom dealies. And I, so I says, no, thank you. And so the lady goes to me like she looked down and said, come on, you really need one? I says, no, thank you. She was persisting. I says, well, let me ask. And I knew the answer to this. I said, is this mandatory? And I wanted to see if she knew. And she says, you could tell. Well, no. So I said, okay, thank you. But, you know, just the pressure. Then when we go in, we get to the desk and we sign, we give our license and all that stuff. Oh, no mask. Very observant, ma'am. And so they stick us all the way down on the aisle, like 17, 18, 20 machines down on the end, like we are scorned because my cooties might get on another machine and they wouldn't have, you know, they're cleaning all the machines after we vote anyway, but they just put us down there just so that all the people without the mask, they'd be able to vote and they wouldn't infect everybody else. Just a ridiculous scenario, a ridiculous scenario. And God gave me a little revelation about this. The people that think like me, the people that think like us, the people that value their freedom, when they conform by wearing a mask, even though they know they won't have to, that weakens us. It weakens our position. And you need to make a stance. You need to resist at every opportunity. You need to let them know you will not be pushed around. You will not be bullied. You will not be intimidated. So anyway, I'm going to talk this week about one of my pet peeves. I love this. I've never really taught it. It dawned on me. I never even did a lesson on it. My personal belief is that the church is not the bride of Christ, and we are the body of Christ, and I'm going to prove that to you in the Word of God. And yet, I've been hearing some great people who I love and respect, even my pastors, they think that the church is the bride of Christ, and I let it slide. I've always thought, well, you know, it's not the end of the world, and yet, you know, it's so important. As we get closer to the end, we're going to be accountable to make sure that we get our doctrines right, that they line up with the Word of God. And I know that the doctrine of the Bride of Christ was instituted pretty much by the Catholic Church. And we need to be wise, you know, amongst other false doctrines that have been put into today's apostate church. That is one of the big ones. And we need to stand for truth and we need to stand for the Bible. So I'm going to take time. I'm going to let you know the title of this message is The Church, The Bride or the Body, The Body or the Bride. You know, this is my pet peeve. Mine usually concern the Bible, and they are about rightly dividing the word of truth. I am sure I have some erroneous doctrine or two, but you'll never know because I keep them to myself. I don't talk about them until I make sure that I got it right. So my opinions 
do exactly that. This is going to be Bible. If I can't find two or three, four or five scriptures to support what I say, you really won't get it from me because I don't want to be wrong. This is a great responsibility and a privilege to come over here on the radio and talk to you guys and, you know, help you grow and help you know God better. That's what this is all about. At the end of the day, when you think that the church is the bride of Christ, then you really don't know who the church is, and you don't really know who you are. So let's open up the Bibles. Let's see what they have to say. I've got this note right here. Let's see. Let's get into the Word, and I'll make my case for why I say the church is not the bride of Christ. I've got it in big, bold letters because I want to make sure that I enunciate that, that I stand out in my belief about that. I am taught Jeremiah Johnson, who I love and respect, my pastors. Nine out of ten people, nine out of ten people in the pulpit are going to tell you that the church is the bride of Christ, and there's no scriptural basis for it. So let's go ahead and uh, dig into that deeply and get it cleared up. First, why is it important that we get this right? I'm so glad you asked. Of prime importance is in the way that you think about yourself, is the way that you will understand the Bible. Women will read the Bible with a different point of view than men will. That's obvious. You don't need me to tell you that. And Jews will read the Bible from a different reference point from the non-Jew. And if you think you are a bride, then you will be reading the Bible from a different standing than if you were understanding it through the body of Christ. The body of Christ is one thing, and the bride is another thing. You can be the bride of Christ, but then you can no longer be the body of Christ. And we'll point that out to you in a minute. Second, nowhere in the Bible is the phrase bride of Christ. I know it's not used, it's not there, and yet we talk about it all the time. I know you hear it every day. There is no bride of Christ terminology in God's holy book. Let me begin by telling you who the Bible says we are. That's a great starting point. Before I go ahead and delve into who we are not, let's talk about who we are. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I don't know of anybody that's going to disagree with that. Okay? That's why it's so strange that we've adopted this doctrine that says we're the bride also. You can be the bride, fine. Or you can be the body, but you can't be both. In one instance, you are actually attached to the bridegroom. You are a member of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. In the other instance, you would have to disassociate yourself to become this bride. You're violating every Jewish tenant of marriage and holiness. Colossians one twenty four. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, Paul's writing this, and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So right there, Paul, the church is the body of Christ. Paul clearly states that the church is the body. And I love Paul. He's great. He's awesome. One of the first people I'm going to catch in heaven, Paul and John. John's my favorite. And Peter. I love Peter. Let's not get stuck there. Romans one twenty-five. So then we being many, talking about us, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. And so we're reading how that there's one body. There's not two bodies of Christ. One's the bride and one's the body. No, there's one body of Christ and we're all connected. We're one body, many members, and each one of us is a member of another. In Ephesians, it talks about that. Paul confirms that again. Many of us together in Christ make up the body. Also, we are supposed to be members of one another. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular, or you are particular members. You retain your individuality. You retain your identity in Christ when you are a member of the body of Christ. But in the miracle working plan of God, we all become one. It's wonderful. I'm doing a, a lesson in the Bible study uh, Sunday on uh, John 17, my favorite chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we're seeing this 
said over and over again that Paul understands we are the body of Christ. It's another confirmation by Paul. Now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ right now. If you were going to call yourself the bride of Christ, you're not going to be the bride of Christ now. You're going to be the bride of Christ in heaven, perhaps, but not now. Now you are the body of Christ. There's no room for you to be anybody else. You are the church, the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body. So you got that. I have a head. It's on top of my shoulders. The rest of my body is all connected. The, what is it, the computer, uh, what is it, the home base for my, for my existence is my head, just like in Jesus Christ. Everything else flows down from the instructions they get from the head. That's a perfect picture of the body of Christ. Nowhere will you see Jesus or Paul or John or Peter ever refer to the church as the bride of Christ. Colossians 1.18, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church, there we have it again, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, or he might be first. Look at this confirmation here, Jesus, the head of the body, and the body is the church. I mean, how many times do you need to see it? It's right there. There's five quick instances. I didn't even have to do a study. I quickly went over to the scriptures that talked about the body, that talked about the head, and these Five scriptures pop right up there. And each one confirms what the other one says. You are called in one body. uh, So we being many are one body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and he is the head of the body. I mean, it's so obvious that there, and it's not, you don't need supernatural revelation to have that to be understood in anything what he's saying. It's not, what's the word? It's not, it's not figurative. It's literal. He is saying who you are and praise the Lord. And understand this, being a member of the body of Christ is the most highest place you'll ever be. Anybody will ever be. Jewish saints are never going to be a member of the church. Old time Jewish saints who died, never members of the body of Christ. People who die in the tribulation, they will not be members of the body of Christ. They will not be members of the church. It's a totally different dynamic that God has given to us who were born in this time between Pentecost and the rapture of the church, designed for special service. Hallelujah. I believe these five scriptures establish for us quite definitely that we, the church, are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of the body. The church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. There is no higher place that one can be than being a member of the body of Christ. You would have to step down to be the president of the United States. We are literally attached to the head, Jesus. Kenneth Hagin, you may remember him, days gone by, one of the great founders of the Word of Faith movement. Kenneth Hagin writes that 56 times in the New Testament, the phrase in him or in Christ is used. God, through Paul, wants us to understand We are the church, and the church is the body, and we are all ready in Christ. That violates every single uh, doctrine of the Jewish wedding feast. We are all ready in Christ. We not only see him, we live in him. Remember, we're supposed to have a veil on our head. The Jewish custom, the wife, the bride, had walked around with a veil. We'll explain that in a minute. But we are intimately integrated and connected with him and with each other as well. 1 Corinthians one twelve. as the human body, which has many parts, is a unity or a united body, and those parts, despite their differences, their multiplicity, they constitute one single entity, so too does the body of Christ. For we were all baptized by the Spirit into one body, whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free men, and we all had the experience of having the same Spirit of God. 
And then, of course, Ephesians 4. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The body of Christ is supposed to be working right now. We are being perfected by the leaders and the ministry gifts that God's placed and given to us so that we could do a great job as members of the body of Christ. Don't forget, when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to live, in the, live inside you. The idea is Jesus did his work. He created a body to finish the work that he needs us to do for the salvation of others. Greater works will you do because I go to my Father. He's not talking about a greater work in the sense of quality. He's talking about a greater work in the sense of quantity. Because there's millions of us in the earth, we are doing more than Jesus ever could by just having himself one body. But he created the body of Christ. We are literally an extension of himself. Same anointings. Same word as a foundation. We have the same Holy Spirit working through him, now working through us. Till we all come to the unity of faith. I'm sorry. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The body of Christ. God's taking care of the body of Christ. We not only are assigned jobs and tasks, but he's taking care of us so that we would grow, so that we would know him. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. All right, I don't want to get stuck with any of that. I think I've made the case that the church is the body and the body is the church and that Jesus is the head of the body, the head of the church. We are intimately already joined with him and to him. I don't want to get stuck there, okay? I want to move on. Now I'm going to show you why the church cannot be the bride. We can be the body of Christ, and I showed you that we are. So there's no, it's not debatable. We are the body of Christ, which makes us part of the groom at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you follow that? Who's going to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, the, the future wife of God, of Jesus, and the bridegroom, which is Jesus. We are part of the bride. We're going, but we're going as the bridegroom, not as the bride. We can be the bride, which means we can no longer be intimately connected or acquainted with Christ. For us to be the bride, we would have to dissolve our current relationship with him. We could no longer be part of him. Those 56 scripture references would no longer be valid. We would have to leave the body and disassociate ourselves from the head in order to be the bride. Do you follow that? We have a better relationship than a bride ever could have. We are the bridegroom. We belong to him. We would be violating every tenant of Jewish custom. We would have to put on a veil so we could not see our husband until the wedding. You understand that, right? That's part of the Jewish tradition. You never saw the, the groom. You never saw your husband. He never saw you. You had a veil on. We would have to put a veil on so we could not see him until the actual wedding. Well, obviously, we're way past the veil point, the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. We would be guilty of fornicating because of the intimate relationship we already have with Christ before the marriage. Not only would we be guilty of fornicating, he would be guilty of fornicating as well. And you know that's not happening, right? I mean, either we believe the Bible or we don't. By the way, there's no veil on the church. Remember, we are intimate with Christ already. He even lives inside us. Listen to this scripture, Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery, Jew and Gentile turned together, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've got Christ in us already, <laughs> way past the veil. There can be no denying that the church already is having intimate relations with Jesus. The church is the body. 
The body is connected to Christ today. We are supernaturally, we are divinely, we are spiritually connected with Christ now in a close family relationship. One quick note, I want to give you the scripture for your consideration. Write the scripture down. Don't get stuck here. I want you to pay attention until I get done, but write the scripture down. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. And behold, this is what happened when Jesus was crucified. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. The temple veil was torn, signifying mankind now had entrance into a relationship with God based on what Jesus did. But guess what? The Jews sewed back up the veil. Is that amazing? So there is a veil today between Jesus and somebody. Who wears that veil? Well, Second Corinthians three thirteen through 16. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds, the Jews, were blinded for until this day, the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Because they have rejected Christ, they still wear the veil. Could you see how that means they could potentially be the bride of Christ? Could you see that? But even unto this day, when Moses is read, that veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Hallelujah. I'm looking at my time here. I think I'm doing all right. Let's look at some of the scriptures that people use to prove in their eyes that the church is the bride. And this is very important. Second Corinthians 11.2. Paul writes, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you or betrothed you. Some say even married you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So we see, I could see how people could confuse that if they took that out on its own. Paul is using the language of marriage. He is using the, what is the word? He is using the the union. He is using the, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't get it. He is using the, the union of marriage to make a point. The point that he wants to make is that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Look, he didn't say you are a chaste virgin to Christ. He said, you are as a chaste virgin to Christ. The point he's making is, I want to present you, and he uses the word for marriage because that's the type of union we're going to have with Jesus. We are intimately connected to Jesus Christ. There is no higher union in the earth today than a man and a woman in marriage. That is the highest union that God has created. And so God is allowing Paul to, to reference that in order to make the point that we are to be pure in our relationship to him in the same way that a virgin would be pure in her relationship to her husband. Did you get that? Very important. But once again, he does not say, I'm presenting you a chaste virgin. He's using a simile. He's making a comparison. A simile is when you make a comparison using the words like or as. You'll notice this. That I may present you as a chaste virgin. You are not a chaste virgin. I am presenting you as a chaste virgin. Let me give an example. Are we like sheep have gone astray? Are we like sheep? That's a simile. Once again, I am not a sheep. I don't have four legs. I don't have wool. I don't eat grass. But in order for me to understand the point of Paul's teaching that sheep are stupid, they get lost easily, Paul is making that reference to us as people that we get lost easily, that we're dumb. That's why it's so important that you need to read the scriptures. Here Paul uses the language of marriage to make a point, and it confuses many Christians. Let's stick to what he actually says and don't read into what's not there. 
he had been the one who had taught that Christ died for their sins and rose again, bringing this little body of believers together into a spiritual birth. But now he has a godly jealousy for their sanctification and purity so that he might present each of us to the Lord Jesus as a chaste virgin when we go to be with the Lord at the rapture of the church. And I source that daily verse, knowing-jesus.com. The Jews understood marriage. Amen. You know that. So in the context of marriage, Paul makes his case for holy living. The Phillips translation says it like this. I wish you could put up with a little of my foolishness. Please try. My jealousy over you is the right sort of jealousy, for in my eyes, you are like a fresh, unspoiled girl who I am presenting as a fiancé to your true husband, Christ himself. I am literally marrying you to Christ. I am afraid that your mind and marrying is not the sense of man and wife union. It's just for the sense of understanding what marrying means. You can marry meatballs to a sauce. That doesn't make the sauce the bride. You understand that? Okay, for apparently you cheerfully accept a man that would come to you preaching a different gospel, but I'm making sure that you stay pure to the one that you are supposed to be connected to, the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime Paul uses the words like or as, he's making a comparison for the sake of our understanding, and he often uses the marriage union to do that. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Once more, Paul uses the context of a marriage relationship to make a point that husbands need to love their wives with the same singularity and dedication with which Christ loves his church, the body. Paul is not saying, he's not trying to make a message that the church is the bride of Christ. He's trying to make a message that husbands, you need to love your wife the same way Christ loved the body. You know, Revelation 19, 7 and 8, 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to God because the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So there is a wife, okay? They say that the fine linen is the attire of the saints. Well, it is. But to say that the fine linen referenced here is the linen uh, that the uh, church is clothed in would be false because basically old-time Jews, they're saints. They got fine linen. Tribulation saints... They're saints. They got fine linen. The Jews, fruit of the 144,000, they're going to wear white robes also. So to say that's the church would be a misunderstanding. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't really need to teach you any of this. You don't need to have me make this whole case. You can just go to the Bible. You can cut to the chase to Revelation 21, verse 9, and it tells you who the Lamb's wife is. I mean, I say all that because I'm trying to defend this scripture because people just try to make all things out of this that Paul didn't write about. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, John is writing this, and there came unto me, John, one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me saying, come here, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Okay, this is awesome. Everything I just said, forget about it. John is going to see by the angel. The angel said, what? I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Okay, that's it. That's it. Everything else, just ignore. Let's just see what he's got here. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me what? The church? Doesn't say that. And he showed me the body of Christ. Does not say that. He showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. This is fabulous. It clears up everything. 
The angel did not show him the church. He did not show him the body of Christ. He showed him that great city, the holy Jerusalem. Now, people get all bent out of shape. You mean the bride of Christ is the holy city, Jerusalem? That's what it says. You know, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. Truth be told, in the Old Testament, you're going to see where God is actually married to Israel. I've got it here somewhere. I don't know if I'll find it in time. But he talks about the fact that God already has taken Israel as his bride. Truth be told, he's put her away because of her sin. But God already has a bride, and it's a city. Jesus is going to have a bride, and it's going to be a city too, the holy Jerusalem. So we're understanding then the scriptures. The scriptures, if you can find a scripture where it says that the body of Christ that the church is the bride of Christ, uh, go ahead and send it to me. I'll send you a free book. But you won't find one. I've looked. I've searched. So I just want you to understand. Chew on these scriptures. If you need a copy of what we talked about, let me know, and I'll email you. Email me at gospelguy at comcast.net. We love you guys. We appreciate your faithfulness. We thank you so much. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.